Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Two Robbies podcast, your destination for discussion and analysis of the Premier League and the Champions League. I'm Robbie Musto, he's Robbie Earl, and here are today's topics. Man United's resounding response from their defeat to Liverpool, that's a hapless Spurs. Man City dropping all three points after going down to 10 men against Palace. Liverpool squandering a 2-0 lead to drop two points against Brighton. Chelsea gaining ground at the top of the table after their win at Newcastle. And West Ham United into fourth place after dismantling 10-man Aston Villa. That's what we've got coming up in today's episode. All right, Robbie Earl, an mm-hmm. uh, amazing couple of days in the Premier League, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Um, let's get straight into it. The biggest story going in really from last weekend, Rob, was Manchester United and how they'd respond to that thrashing uh, at home against Liverpool last weekend. Spurs, it was, they had to go to, and they got the job done. I mean, maybe not surprisingly, given Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's record of pulling results out the hat when he really needs them. Uh, a 3-0 victory for them against the Spurs side that, wow, like looked really, really down in the dumps. Where do you want to start? Um, we have to start with addressing uh, the narrative, as you said, that Ollie was given, we believe, last week three games to save his job. Spurs being one at Atalanta in the Champions League and the Man City uh, derby game next weekend. So there was huge focus on this game, Rob. And I'm just thinking, Sunday afternoon as we do this pod, Ollie's probably sitting in front of his warm fire, just putting another log on the fire. A nice glass of red and thinking, hmm, yeah, I've survived one, I've got two to go. Because in, in many respects, Rob, he got everything right that he needed to get right. He changed his team, he changed his formation. We'll talk uh, a little about that. He picked the right personnel in terms of picking the team. He made the right subs during the game, I think, when the game needed. And he got the right results. And, and the, the combination of all those things with... Key people within within the, the that that personnel. Varane coming back at centre back not only gave the back four a little more security and experience, but just his play, Robbie, his reading of situations, his calmness back there was huge. I thought Scott McTominay was immense in the middle of the of the field. McFred, we know, gets a lot of sticks. Or Scott McTominay was outstanding. Bruno Fernandes is that is that creative force that can make things happen if you have got good movement ahead of them, and in Cavani and Ronaldo, I think I think you mentioned seventy years of age combined, had two players with very little to prove. Rob, at this stage of the careers, at very little to prove at this level of football, who were hungry, who were experienced, who played for the manager who got the manager out of a tough situation. Um, I just thought, well played to the individuals. But overall, we have to say, well played to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because it was his neck on the line if things didn't go right. The system changed, Rob. Um, 
I liked it. I like that he's finally doing something different. I think we mentioned on the podcast maybe a couple of weeks mm. ago that there yeah. are different ways to play that you might be able to utilize Paul Pogba better. And I want to go on and talk about that in this system. Yeah. Um, it basically was a three-man defensive line. You said it. I thought Rafael Varane makes United better. He played in the center, organized really well. Wambasaka right wing back, Luke Shaw left wing back, and a three-man midfield. We, you know, we didn't quite mm. know what was going to, how it was going to shake down. But when you looked at it, it was Scott McTominay, Rob, as a base player, the the one pivot, if you like, the holding player, the number six, whatever you want to call him. To his left at midfield, slightly ahead, Fred. To his right, Bruno. So that's that was interesting. And then the front two players of Ronaldo and Cavani. Now <clears throat> there might have been a, a slight change in that. You can. You know, of course, you could play Fred alongside McTominay. You could play Bruno and Ronaldo in behind Cavani. It gives actually quite good options going forward with some of the players that they've got, probably being one of them. Is it something that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer now should stick with and try and build on? Mm-hmm. It's like, listen, I've, I've tried the 4-2-3-1 for such a long period of time. I was absolutely wedded to that, but but desperate times call for desperate yeah. measures. Yeah. Or is it something that it'll just be a short-term fix and he'll go back to his back four at some point? Well, as he's sitting there this afternoon and his face is probably getting a bit red with that hot fire, it's something, and it was the same question I've got written down for you, is... Is this, you know, teams that are successful, Rob, teams that win titles generally have one preferred way of playing and they switch out a couple of times depending on games, yeah. depending on positions and all that stuff. But there's generally one way that you're saying they're going to play. I'm, I'm still asking that question uh, back. Is, is this the way that Ollie may need to go? And I'm kind of thinking, yes, I think so. I don't think there's a great, centre, a great, great centre-back pairing in, in either two, Maguire and Varane, possibly, but we know Maguire can have his moments and he gets caught one-on-one in certain situations. So I think the three helps. I think Luke Shaw particularly suited to be more of a left wing-back. Wambasaka, maybe he's not quite a, the quality you, you'd want going forward, but defensively really gives you good options. You then get your number, your mix in midfield, if you can get two next to one, a bit Chelsea-like. And whether you play then you, you're forwards and you've got a mix of Sancho, Rashford, uh, Greenwood, as well as the two who played. So lots of good options. The, the thing that's in the past, and, and, I, and I went to a bit of research, the big games when Ollie's needed it, he's played a back three, Rob. He played it against Chelsea, played against Man City and Paris Saint-Germain last evening. He played against Tottenham today and won games and won matches, big games, when he's played it. So it's almost been a bit of an emergency system. Now, I'm just wondering, can the emergency become an everyday system that this team get used to, that can grow in and show? Because what I saw, Rob, in the game was, and again, we'll talk about Spurs and what they did and didn't do, but the team looked compact, the team looked harder to play against, and it allowed those players who can go and be match winners, Bruno, Ronaldo and Cavallio this time, and Fred at times broke forward, but generally it allows those front players to go and have their moments. Because we've talked about United have got a team of moments. They can go and have their moments knowing there's a better structure behind them. And, and I think that's the thing that, that I came away thinking, this has got to give Ollie food for thought. I've talked about the comparisons with Chelsea Football Club, Rob, and what Tuchel did from the Lampard team, the four, whatever, ahead of it, to three at the back and to, to, to play how he's playing right now. I guarantee if Antonio Conte goes into Man United, if Tom Tuchel goes in to Man United, I think they would do this. 
I think they would do this. Even when you consider the front players, Rob, and let's do it real quick. Greenwood, not really a winger, is he? He's not. Rashford, not really a winger. You know, Ronaldo, nine, or he can play in behind in a narrow sense. That front three, if you think about two players uh, behind a central striker, it suits a lot of the team. Now, granted, you won't get as many in a team. You can't have a Rashford, a Bruno, and a striker because of the system. But I think given the, the, the team the way it is, they need an extra centre-back. That, that means in midfield, Robbie Earl, you could have McTominay holding. You could have Pogba as an eight that he did so well for Juventus. Getting forward, right, with a Bruno or with a Van der Beek or somebody else that might be a little loose in front of a back four. But when you've got three behind there, that's almost like another holding player that's there for protection. It's insurance. So more insurance with three centre-backs instead of two gives the midfield players a little bit more leeway to, if they're caught out with runners, there's an extra guy back there. And again, the front combination of however you do it up there with a three, three wide, two together, one in behind, two in behind the one, I kind of like it with the United players that they've got. So the only thing I think is a slight weakness, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, great energy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, uh, could they, and I'll throw it back to you, Rob, because I think Luke Shaw, fine wing back, absolutely fine. Yeah. Centre backs, plenty of them, fine. Centre midfield players, different now with an extra centre back. You could play a, you can be a bit more adventurous with your midfield players because you've got the extra guy. Right wing back, Jaden Sancho, Robbie Orr. Is mm. there a way that he could do that, <laughs> as, as Hudson Odoi's done it for Chelsea, yeah. to get him in the side and to be a little bit more attack threat, turn the dial up a little bit in this system? Could he do that? He possibly could, but there is times when, when you think of uh, Hudson Odoi, Rhys James, who we talk about, and that the defensive side is important as well, Rob, especially against bigger teams. That may be days when, right. yeah, but not all the time, happens, but not, but yeah. yeah, you're right. You know, you get that extra threat that, that Tuchel has been able to do with, with Chelsea, and certainly from that wide position. So you're right. You know, you, you could fit him in there. I tell you, I could could do a job in there if you need to. Jesse Lingard could do a job on that yeah. side. Respons- responsible gives you a little bit more going forward. So, I I think it was a good day for Oli. I think it's definitely food for thought. I think him and his coaches are going to have to look at things, look at tape, and if that is the way Rob they're going to go, and and this was a win against the Spurs team that we'll talk about. They have to put the, 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 the hours on the training ground grooving that system. They have to go through. So every unit knows its own roles and then every unit knows how it's working with the midfield and the forwards. Because it just doesn't happen that, you know, OK, we put an extra man in the back and that's fine. Because there's times when you, you, your full-backs have to sit or one goes and one comes in a bit like a four we've seen at times. And, and there's times that that midfield can't have those two flying, that one of them's got to hold a little bit and one yeah. goes and... You know, all those little things that you've got to get right on the training ground so people know in the system. But I think it's a great base. I think it's a great question. And if it was me, Rob, what I've seen and what United can do, I think it suits Manchester United better because it allows people to do the things what they're good at. at. Yeah, yeah it suits them better. At. Particularly the attacking yeah. players. Particularly mm. those attacking players. All right, mate, let's, let's switch it. So, well done, United. Well done, Oligan and Solskjaer. Yeah. Good reaction. Almost new hope, new hope given a different system. Um, but we'll see if he sticks with it and how it develops yeah. going forward. Now, I'll switch quickly to Spurs, Rob, because that was pretty nasty scenes sure. at their stadium. 
um, booze with substitutions, booze at the end. There's 60,000 people in there. I said today on our broadcast, Rob, like the difference from day one when they beat Man City and the place was rocking and we were like, wow, this this kind of looks kind of good with the work ethic, the counter-attacking quality they offered that day to get to this game against Man United at home where, wow, a, a slowness, a, 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 a boredom factor, a lack of inspiration and motivation and quality. What the heck has happened, Spurs, to, to uh, Rob, to Spurs under Nuno? Well, to the point, and, and, you know, the headlines were out there this morning, that there was apparently a meeting of directors of, of Daniel Levy, I think technical director uh, Paratici, as it was involved, that they were talking about whether they, Nuno would lose his job. It was that bad. The boos were all were, were ringing out at the end. You know, somebody said, you know, Spurs have now changed, got a, a brilliant stadium, but on the pitch, it, it, it looks woeful at the moment. They were booing Harry Kane, Rob. Harry Kane got booed during the game. Uh, you know, he's one of their own. He's been a guy who's been that poster boy. That's how bad things have got. No shots uh, on target during the whole 90 minutes. Lack of creativity through the pitch. Lack of real desire yeah, um, anything. to want to be in the game. It, it was almost like a role's reverse of Manchester United last week when you're looking for something and, and there was nothing there. I thought it was damaging. And I think Nuno Espirito Santo is on borrowed time. I don't think he... I'm not sure he can come back from that, Rob. I think when, when directors are talking it back soon after games, when the fans are booing in that manner when people like Hoiberg are coming out and basically saying we just weren't at it, I'm just not sure how that gets pulled back together. And, and Nuno's face on the side, I thought, said it all. He looked a little bit lost, Is it maybe the right Listen, word. Listen, he, he, he's, he's never been animated the way he talks. We know no, that. But he there was, there was a everything. look on his face, Rob. You saw what there was one time when I think he'd made the sub and he was booing and he was rubbing his beard. And it was, and the look in his eyes, Rob, were, wow, I think he was shocked at, at what he was hearing, what he was seeing. So he was hired four months ago mm. on a short-term contract. He won the first three games. They've played ten games, so in seven games, yeah. you're saying that you're not that you're not some way shocked, surprised that he's on the brink of being fired. Doesn't 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 he deserve more time, Rob, to figure things yeah. out, to get players yeah, I'm, on side? I'm, I'm to... not saying I would. I'm saying where he's at. The the situation we are in now with the media, with the fans, with the performances. I'm not sure Spurs allow him that time. I think Spurs are now already working out. Who's the next man? Wow. Do you think under under Paratici, the director of football, now it's going to make big calls with everything in terms of recruitment? Yeah. Do you uh, think... I think he's the guy. He's their football guy, Rob. We, we talked about United and who's their football guy. I think he's the football guy. He's the go-to now. Italian, like, you know, we, we've seen Italian directors of football mm. and owners fire managers uh, yeah. quickly, uh, sometimes to hire them back again. Do you think we're entering a phase of, of Spurs's... Um, you know, life in the Premier League and in English football, that they might go down this road more now, that they're going to go a bit yeah, more quicker, yeah, a bit like yeah. more, like Chelsea. Chelsea like, like, you, yeah, you show yeah. us it. If you don't show us it, we're going to make a change. I think, yeah. I think you look at that group, Rob, and, and, and I'll ask you the question. Yeah, maybe take Sonny out. Take Sonny out is, is the one. Tell me a player who's playing well. Tell me a player who's playing anywhere near his capacity. Well, it's but easy to say that. Well, well, given, well, but, but, but I'm talking about 
where we are and the, and the manager and, and the situation and someone like Paradici is probably looking at this group saying, this group's better than what we've seen. It's, seven, it's just a seven game, seven bad results in the Premier League. I, I, I just like, wow, if, if, if they thought he was right four months ago and after winning the first three games with 10 now in, so seven Premier League games that were not satisfactory, I get what fans, uh, it sounds like. We're not going to be in a situation, Rob, where directors of football and, and, and owners at Spurs are going to listen to the, to the fans at the first time they, they express their, their well, was, you know. Was, was Nuno Paratici's man? I think, yeah, I think Paratici came in and all these yeah. different people he talked about, yeah, Fonseca yeah. coming in and all this Italian football stuff. Yeah. I think they end up going there. They're running out of time. So I think, and, and by the way, a report, I, I think somebody said, our researcher might have said, that Paratici even recently said, listen, this is my appointment. So he takes okay. the responsibility on it. So, um, well, all I would ask is, why, why, on the basis of, of, of the results and then the performance and what happened, everybody could see it. On the basis of that, why in the media are we hearing that Spurs are meeting this morning to talk about the manager's position? Because that doesn't help Nuno one jot. It almost kills him off. Yeah. Almost kills so, him off. Which, which is my point. If, that, if we got to that point where that's coming out and that's happening, kind of tells me that they ain't, they, they're in for the long term. For Listen, I, I, it's tough to do it after that performance, but yeah. if you're a Nuno Espirito Santo, it would have been kind of nice for the club or the director to say, mm-hmm. it's still early yet for Nuno. Let's like, I know that's not acceptable. It's not good enough. We're, we're, of course, we understand that, but we, he's had like, he's been four months in the job. I mean, I, 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 I think he, I mean, it's oh, crap. Listen, at least get him to Christmas. At least let's get halfway down right. the track and have, right. have a look at things right. and see if, if we've improved, right. if we're better, or we, you know. But listen, it, it's one of those where I looked at someone showed me the stats: nine goals scored, Rob. That's 18th in the Premier League. 16 goals conceded. That's 16th in the Premier League. A lot of the stats don't bode well for Nuno, but it's very early in the season. We played 10 games. They've won five. They've lost five. They won the won the first three, and he was manager of the month for August. I mean, that's where there we, you that's, go. Where, that's where we are. Um, what I would say is, um, and it, you know, the, the Harry Kane situation has been an absolute horror show for Spurs, and and for Nuno, probably saw a half fit, motivated. Focused Harry has probably got seven or eight goals himself, Rob, this day of the season. Right. So let's let's crack on to Harry Kane, Rob. And and we differed on this quite strongly, didn't we? Mm. Uh, you know, yeah. whether they should sell him or not. Uh again mm. on the show this morning, I re-emphasized yeah. my stance that this is Daniel Levy's situation. He took the mm. risk that he's not gonna let him go because he didn't get his crazy amount of money for him. He now has a miserable depreciating asset on his hands in Harry Kane. Mm. Again, I want to get your take on whether that's acceptable. Uh <laughs> You know, as a professional footballer and a player that's been there forever, should he be doing more? Daniel Levy's got a lot to answer for as well. And £120 million, which is what our our David Ornstein reported as being the maximum figure that was offered to Spurs for Harry Kane, for them to say no now with money that they could have spent to to rejig a squad that's been wanting to be rejigged and rebuilt since Pochettino moaned about it, Rob, in his last few months of the job, where he said, listen, I need help. The squad needs help. We need to invest in the team. And he he didn't get the investment he wanted. He got fired. Mourinho comes in. Didn't work out. And now this Nuno thing. Daniel Levy has still got a lot to answer for for the condition of Spurs. Love the training ground. Love the stadium. Well done. But the football decisions haven't been great. Harry Kane, Robbie Earl, are you now 
now would you now admit that it was a poor decision not to sell him? No, no, I'm, I'm not going to go straight down that road. I hear your point, and I, and I, and I, Daniel Levy made a decision based on what he thought was best interest of the football club. And, and I, I have no issue the, with him ha- making that decision, Rob, it, because he thought it was the best decision for his football. Well, how's it looking now? How's it looking well, now? Of course. And, and now, let me, let me put it, okay, and, and I hear your point, and it's a valid point, okay? So I'm going to say that at the top. Let's go the other way. Did he sold Harry Kane? Did he, I don't know, buy somebody for 60, 70 million? And they were, they were, they were playing as bad as they are now. What would be the counter-arguments? Let Harry Kane go. So, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. My, the reason I said that I didn't like that a football club can come along and take your best player on a contract without a clause at any time in the season, just change it. That's almost like Super League stuff. That's like, oh, well, the best teams are going to always have the best players and the others have 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 to deal with it, in my view. So, I didn't have an issue with Daniel Levy. I have an issue with how Harry Kane's playing. I have an issue with how he's not being motivated or how the team's got no creativity that creates him an awful lot of chances. But Harry himself has played nowhere near his capabilities and that's a byproduct of not getting the move. Now, Harry Kane's got to show us that, you know what, he's been a poster boy and he's been loved for a long time. It's on him a little bit now because his football club need him. And yes, he's been he's been disappointed that he doesn't get. So you don't get disappointed things. So you're down tools. So that's okay. Uh, listen, uh, you know me, Rob. You you know in general my my attitude towards that kind of stuff. In this one case, given what he's done and given the assurances that he thought he got, and of course I understand his advisors and stuff for the clause, no clause in his contract, let him down badly. I know that. Just in this case, hadn't he earned earned that? Listen, I'm not going down the road again. It's no point. You know how I feel about it. We differ on this, whether he should have been sold, whether he hasn't been sold. Let's just quick, one last question before we move on. Is there a man, is Nuno the man, or is there another man that can get get his arm around him as a player and say, Harry, I get it, and, and rev him back up again. Get him started again. Get him hungry again. That's a tough job for anybody. Do you yeah. think that's possible? Okay, it's got, yeah. It has to be, doesn't it, at some point? Yeah, yeah. the right manager, the right setup. But the, these, these other things that are wrong, I mean, the whole football team, as I said, there ain't, there ain't a player in the club playing well. There isn't a system that's playing well. The team don't create anything. They've got no creativity based on any of the midfield players, apart from Sonny maybe making something happen. Um, mm. It can be done, Rob. I think with the right manager and the right, the right environment, Harry Kane will get back to scoring goals. That's what he does. But something's got to ignite him. I don't know if Nuno's got that man management skill. You'd have to be in the dressing room to, to understand it. But the mm. right kind of manager could get Harry Kane back scoring 20-plus goals a season again because that's what this guy does. OK, big story. And it goes and it amazing, isn't it, Robin? It goes, it, goes from, <laughs> it goes from one manager, one club, to somebody else. Say, yeah, yeah. Now, it's, it, Ollie was under fire and all of a sudden he passed up that, that yeah. parcel on to, uh, to, to Nuno. And now Nuno's... Fighting for his life this week, we hear. And was it Spurs away? Are they away at uh, Everton? Is it Everton? Yeah, got Vitesse in the uh, Conference League on Thursday. Yeah. Then yeah. Everton away, Leeds at home, Burnley away, Brentford. So that's a so winnable games, little run. Yeah, games you, you should be winning. If he isn't winning them games, then I think it, it really does start to turn on him. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX Acura's most powerful SUV yet. 
While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all on its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to 313 mile range on a single charge, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric never could be. It was built with a driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience the electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, Pep Guardiola, final days at Man City. Yes. Doom and gloom, lost at home to Crystal Palace. <laughs> the man under pressure now. Where are the Man City going? No striker, no goals in back-to-back games. Out of the League Cup, struggling oh. in the Premier League. Let's throw it back under Pep. Did you, did you take a close look at this one, Rob? I know this was part of that did, window. Yeah, yeah. Tons was, of games. It was a 10 o'clock window. So I think I, I saw you were doing the teams on, on the Liverpool-Brighton Liverpool game, game. So I, I did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I thought I'd, I'd have a quite close look at, at City Palace. And... Um, Pleasantly surprised with Palace, Robbie Musto. Can, can, here's my statement, which, which you won't often see. Oh, no, Patrick, here we go. Patrick Vieira outcoached Pep Guardiola. Wow. How's that? 200 yeah. Premier League game for, for, for uh, Pep Guardiola. Um, Patrick made a few changes. Left out Christian Benteke, who scored two goals in his last two games. Massive call. Mm. Went with Wilf Zaha as his central striker. So almost a little bit of a false nine, but felt Zaha's better in 1v1v centre-back. So played yep. him central. Played Odson one side and, and Aryu the, the other side. And then had a three-man midfield with Kuyate pretty much... Um, holder. Holder. With yep. McCarthy, who can do a bit of both and when he needs yep. to sit in. And then gives Gallagher that little bit of range to break forward and go and join um, the attack. In Goyer and Anderson, the two centre-backs, they've got a centre-back pairing who, are, who will push higher, much higher than Roy's teams, will allow a little bit of press that they did really well um, against City. But also, Rob, when they get the ball, both are quite comfortable to, to play out the back. So Palace had some good possession as well. And it was like giving Manchester City a few problems. Mm. Um, now, there's no doubt that the... Um, the red card helped. Laporte just before half time gets sent off for a, a foul on um, Wolf Zaha. Zaha's going to. And it was seemed like there's a few of those this weekend. It's funny how they all come together. Mm. Laporte went off. I thought it was the right decision. Um, so City down to 10 men. And in the second half, Palace, weather a little bit of storm that City had. It wasn't a great threat from Manchester City. Kevin De Bruyne actually not his creative best came off. And uh, Palace get the, the second goal through Gallagher. Really well-worked goal. Gallagher gets the goal. City get the 2-0 win. And would I would say deserved the, the victory against a, a City team. But my big question, Rob, and, and, and is like, let, let's get it out there first. You know, there's no striker. We know that. So it's not as well, City should have bought the striker. They haven't got the striker. They're playing with a false nine. Again, this time it was Foden, I think, who we say is the preferred false nine. Yeah, it does well normally, yeah. does well. Didn't quite happen for them. It was one of those days, Rob, and I think we've watched games where the football wasn't working. It wasn't a football day. They weren't as slick and as neat and moving people, even with, with before the sending off um, on those days. On those days, it almost seems like they still continue to try and do the same thing, even though it's not working. 
It was one mm. of those kind of performances for City that mm. I got the sense watching, and I, I, I looked like the Palace players were almost like, they're not quite active today. We've got a chance here. Mm. I think City have got that in them, Robin. They've got, they've got like a, a shocking result in them. You know, most mm. of the time they do their thing and they're so great. And then now and again, they chuck in a weird performance where they don't look like it. I mean, just back on the goals, Robin, I think this again is somewhere we differed early on the season. And, and if, if I looked at City, I, I wasn't sure whether they could get the numbers of goals that others could yeah. get. They're already six yeah. behind Chelsea in terms of goal mm. score. They're already nine behind uh, Liverpool, I think, on, on goal scored as well. Again, yeah. we differed. You mm. thought they could still win it and will still win yeah. it given the midfield players. It's just, Rob, the midfield players are now with City's team are asked to win the ball, to pass the ball, to create goals, to score the goals. And of course, they've got a ton of great players to be able to do that. Mm. Is it? Is it even... <laughs> Is it like a, like a striker just just gets the odd scrappy goal to get them results to get them points? You still believe that the midfield players can get those numbers to challenge the likes of Liverpool and Chelsea, who you know have got more traditional forwards that, that get the goals. I do because I believe in the processes of how this guy plays and that he'll have more possession majority of games that they'll still dominate the ball. Palace. Did a really good job defensively. They had good numbers. They were well set up. They blocked those areas that City were trying to get to, even though those hot spots. Did a really yeah. good job of, of being around those places. You know, Patrick Vieira, I have to say, spot on with, with his tactics. Um, I still feel the the amount of times they get you, Rob, it's a dripping tap effect. Eventually, I think they wear people down. You're right. On the days when it's not as slick and, and Palace were well set up, they, they, they look like they may struggle. And that's the bit I'm, I'm wondering with Pep, a little bit like, OK, is there, is there another thought for, for those, these kind of days? Is there another thought, of, uh, another way of doing it on these kind of days when your football's not quite as great? Because as, mm. as brilliant as they are tactically and technically, it just happens. It's tiredness. These, these, you know, sometimes your touch is a little bit off. And it was one of those days for City where it didn't quite happen. So... Just, I think, a little challenge for Pep that, you know, this one's going to be difficult to win. And you're yeah. right, the goals aren't going to... He's not got a 20-goal scorer in that team who, who stands out. So they're mm. going to have to do find different ways. And, and, mm. and, and I don't know. I just wonder if, at times, he might have to go Jesus back in there. Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. and, and Try. Be, be a bit more orthodox and, and, yeah. and go back to that. You know, mm. Sterling, Sterling um, has got to find a way back into the team. Because he can yeah. bring you eighteen score. to he can Good score fifteen number. to twenty goals. Mm. So, um, but an off day yeah. for, for for City. But Good day for Palace. Lot, Great day for Palace. For Palace. Great day for Patrick. And I just got the sense, Rob, and I saw a couple of interviews after because I was watching the game. That as long like Zaha came out and something said, you know, he was a great player and he's going to turn out to be a great manager. And they're buying into him. And days mm. like yesterday, it's great. It's sort of great for him, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's not easy, mate. Not easy to go into no. a club with half mm. a new team with an expectation that we want to play things, we want to do things differently. We want to be a little bit more entertaining and open, fair play. I mean, it's, it's it, I mean, it's still a little bit shocking to me, just their second win. It feels like they've yeah, been playing better than yeah. that, but just their second, mm. second win in the Premier League uh, for the game yesterday. And they're still kind of in 13th spot, but that's really good signs of what they can do this season for sure. Yeah, great one. Let's move on to Liverpool, my friend, because you watch this one. And I think anyone saw Liverpool tune a lot might have thought, well, that's done and dusted and, and it was the Mane goal, was it a handball that got disallowed? Brighton get yeah. one just before half time and sort of changes the game. And then, you know, Brighton, as we've seen this year, 
will contest the ball with anybody. And I think from what I've read and saw with the highlights, gave Liverpool a good run for the money. Oh, Brian were very good. Brian were very good. I mean, it, it's... I mean, Graham Potter continues to impress Rob. Wherever he's at, whatever the scoreline, whatever's going on, he is brave. He is brave with the way that they play, whether it's Trossard and Lalana in midfield. You know, he mixed up a little bit in this game. Yves Pesuma came back into the midfield, but always looking to play. And they were always creating chances. Alisson made saves throughout the game. Of course, you get the two early goals with Liverpool. Was there a little bit of complacency? I think there probably was. Jurgen Klopp, though, spoke so much before the game, Rob, about this is, and I quote, one of the trickiest games in the Premier League, given the work that Graham Potter is doing. Graham Potter is going to go on and do bigger things than Brighton. And that's no disrespect to Brighton, um, but the way he coaches and the way it's actually quite complex of the teams in the Premier League now to try and figure out how they play and what they do. Brighton, when we look at it, when I look at it, Wow, what are they doing today? Oh, he's kind of playing in there, then he's dropping back there. They've got this going on. You know, he's imaginative with his with the way that he plays. To go to Anfield like that, and they didn't outplay Liverpool, but there were there were good amounts of time where their football gave Liverpool some real problems. And for Liverpool, uh, Rob, we've, of course, we've talked about how great they've been going forward, and those front players are banging in the goals. They're all in good form. They've all got good numbers. There is a little nagging sense of... They give up chances, you know, not just in this game, but in other games. And the numbers don't say it that much from, from when you look at the, the league table right now. Mm. But they have given up a few opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. And Van Dijk is back. Yeah, I get that. Konate looks like a really good player. But the way that they play going forward, they are vulnerable sometimes. You ain't going to get Sadio Mane running back. You ain't going to, like, like, like some other teams that are super defensive. You know, Firmino, Mane and Salah do their defensive work in the attacking third. They want to yeah. play in there. They don't want to get back and help. So that back four sometimes doesn't get tons of protection and clever footballing teams like Brighton can give you problems. They give Liverpool problems and deserve their point. Is it Fabinho miss back in there? Maybe in front of them? I know yeah. Henderson started with Cater and, and Curtis Jones, didn't he? And then obviously... Another injury for Cater, which is another sort of worry again. Just can't get a run of games, can he? But yeah, I just wondered if Fabinho makes that a little bit different. Great shout. Great shout. And I agree. I think now we've seen enough of Liverpool, Rob. And I know they've gone down a road with, with Thiago and Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones offer something very different. I still think two of those three have got to be big, big running guys. Big energy guys, big defensive guys, big leaders. Fabinho and the Henderson and one other for me is the idle situation. You had Henderson, Naby Keita and Curtis Jones that do their thing going forward. And at times they look really, really good. It's just they shouldn't be getting played through as easy as they did at times against Brighton. Uh, and that will be the it's the forever challenge of managers. And we talk about it all the time, the balance, the balance between Picking a team and playing a way that gives you the maximum opportunity to create and score goals, but also playing in a way that gives your your defenders some protection and it helps to keep clean sheets. There is in a perfect world where you can get it about right, and Liverpool mostly do that. Uh, just a reminder, it's just a reminder to Jurgen Klopp and this Liverpool side that they can't brush everybody aside. Footballing teams given the space that they sometimes allow in midfield, will give them problems. And that's what Brighton did. Full marks of Brighton, Rob, again, with some of their players. Leandro Trossard, we've talked about. I'm sure we've given him underappreciated performer yeah. many times because he's a technical player. Neil Mopé on the bench, switched his team yeah, around. Solid much. Yeah. I mean, you never know how they're going to play. And they didn't have to play well. Really, really good. 
he's got a little bit of the pep about him, hasn't he? In the in that kind of sometimes how the system is now, he's going to play in these a fluid way. And here's my massive shout of the week, Mossy, because you knew it's coming. Go on, Graham, Potter, Graham Potter for Spurs, mate. Graham Potter for Spurs. Go and build yeah. your identity on a football club. Go and get the next level of player. Go and play some football. Give him a couple of years. Let him build something. He's got that potch thing about him that he could come in and be that guy and you could grow with him. Million percent. Million percent. Couldn't agree more, Rob. He's earned he's earned he's earned it now. Mm. And again I think Klopp said after the game, did you hear it was lovely words. He said um, something someone said about, you know, what do you think about Graham Potter? And he said he need not worry about his future, is what Klopp said. Yeah. yeah. Really and hasn't nice. Pep hasn't Pep said he's the most yeah. talented uh, English British coach. British, British coach, coach was it? Yeah. 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 I mean, of course, we're not we're not saying that the, the Nuno should get chucked out of there. No, no. Um, but if it happens we, mm-hmm. of, course, of course, we can't control. If it does happen, then he's got to be a candidate, Rob, hasn't he? Given yeah. the way that he plays, I, and I given hope, the way I hope Spurs so. Play. I hope it's not that. Let's look abroad. Let's look. Over. I hope that he, yeah. at least he, he gets considered because yeah. uh, it's a kind of size of club and project that's a real next level for him. But he just looks like he's got the tools that yeah. could make it make it work. Okay, so Liverpool uh, still unbeaten though, Rob. Only unbeaten team yes. in the league still. So yeah. you know. Three That's points important. behind Chelsea. It's yeah. important, yeah, they'll, they'll want to keep that going. Let's talk um, a little bit about Chelsea now. They went away to Newcastle. I think I saw it was nil-nil at half-time. I'm thinking, oh, is this, is this going to be a bit of banana skin? But got the job done in the end and wing-backs, the young player, Rhys James, came up with a couple of shows with his left foot and he can do it with his right foot. Um, they get the three points and stay top of the table. No Lukaku, no Timo Werner. Had to be patient against a Newcastle United side that packed everybody behind the ball. <clears throat> There's always a, a a solidity to Chelsea with that normal kind of defensive setup that he's done from day one, by the way. Um, and the goals came late. Um, <laughs> different players step up for Chelsea at the moment, Rob. Goals coming mm. from all over the team, all over the team, which is great signs, particularly those wingbacks. Haven't we said before a little yeah. bit that, that Chelsea a little bit like the way they play, the front three, yes, have the license to create and score, but where else? Well, mm. if the wingbacks can 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 jump in with goals, Cherwell's done it, and yeah, now Reese yeah. James has done it, Rob. And I will go straight to my underappreciated performer of the weekend, Reese James. Underappreciated because I'm not sure whether we all know just how good he is and how good he can be. So underappreciated, like, hang on a minute, he looks a bit of a Rolls Royce. And I'll go back to a podcast, actually, I did, and, and the, the, the chap, his name escapes me right now. I remember right, right at the beginning of Reese James's kind of career at Chelsea, he said to me, what do you think to Reese James? And Reese James hadn't really mm. played. And I said, all right, yeah, I know he's done well on loan. Where was he on loan? In the championship Wigan. somewhere? Wigan, Wigan, Wigan. Wigan. Yeah, Earl defensive everything. midfield player in right. I said, yep, it looks like a, a really, really exciting talent. Um, but let's see what he does at Chelsea and the, back to the big time and the Premier League. And, you know, it's a different level to the championship, different position, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, I'm telling you, Robbie, and I, and I respect you a lot. He is going to be top class. Well, well, mm-hmm. I think he was right. I think, I think my friend was right on that podcast. We had a long chat about Chelsea, et cetera, et cetera, because Reese James is, is talents, not just defensively, not just with his strength, but his ability to strike the football. Do you see that today, Rob? The oh, strikes with oh, his left foot. Left I mean, you could take right a picture. Foot. I had a, I had a, I had a famous manager of mine, Terry Venables, that used to say, when you pass or when you shoot, 
your technique, you should be able to take a photograph just as you strike the ball and your technique, it should be balanced, it should be controlled. That's what it's all about is if everything you do is a, is a, is a photograph and you, and you set a lovely style, left foot, boom, no swing and lash, lash mm-hmm. at the ball, mm-hmm. right foot slides away, half volley with his right foot, in, fades it into the corner. Impressive, impressive stuff. And Reese James is, is, is powering through as one off of, if not the best, right back. I'm thinking of Trent, of course, Alexander-Arnold. Uh, uh, I was just going to go, go there. I mean, I'll stop finally. Yeah, no, yeah. but who, you yeah, know, who All-round wins, defender. All-round. Who round. wins, yeah, who wins the all-round right back spot? Reese James, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Well, I, I'm still going to say Trent because, and, and listen, that, that's of course subjective. I love yeah. Trent. I love Trent's mm. ability to play, to pass, to assist, to sometimes to score. But in terms of all round, you might have a point, all round game. Yeah, mm. maybe it is Reese James. But I mean, England have got two great players there. And, and yeah. Reese James, for me, this time deserves a special mention because of a reminder of the absolute class that his kid's got, and he's still a very young player for Chelsea. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I just think as well, if he, because he looks a little bit more concentrated on his defending, if that comes up, Rob, at the other end of the pitch, he, he can deliver a lovely yeah. ball. I've seen him take three kicks a lot. Um, yeah, he's a special player. Good shout, Reese James. Um, not maybe one of the star names, what one of the first names, but an important name, I think, for Chelsea playing on that right-hand side. Um, has he even played like left, right side centre back, hasn't he? A couple of times for Tuchel and that's for the Crosses played, played it, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. You know, good win for Chelsea, um, Rob. Good, good win yeah, for good them. Win. Yeah, away from home when nil nil. It could have been one of them where game like Liverpool, you get a draw and you think, oh, we'll take a draw and go home. But another mm. three points for them without uh, Lukaku, without Werner. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh, Let's move on to Aston Villa and West Ham because I believe we need to give West Ham a little bit of love. Robbie must have one or two people (laughs) on our our Twitter feed were saying we we don't give West Ham enough love. And I've got some real uh, couple of close West Ham friends who live in in New York City and they always give me sticks. So, I mean, as much love as I can give (laughs) to David Moyes and his team because right now, Rob, they are a shining example. They are. When I look at Spurs, when I look at Aston Villa, who they're playing today, and, and, and teams that have, uh, go through difficult times, West Ham United with this guy, and again, he hasn't always been my favourite, and, and I've, he's grown yeah, on me, me over, the, over, over the past couple of years. He's, boy, he's developed a football club, Rob, that now has a consistency... It used to be a club, and we pl- I played against the West Ham's of the world, where they were brilliant. They had brilliant players, but they never used to want to fight and scrap and work with him. We used to outrun them and out and out fight them and win more times than we lost against West Ham. Um, but he, that's gone now, Rob. It, it's almost like now, 
I watch them today and it's almost like this team enjoys showing you how hard they can work. Not enjoy showing you how skillful they are. The skills are given now. When you've got Fernals and Ben Rama and Bowen and Antonio, yeah. they're players who can play. But they don't know if put a shift in, mate. Like, we're going to outrun you. We're, we're going to outmuscle you. And 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 it's it's so much of a David Moyes thing that you're kind of starting to know what you're going to get from West Ham. And, and I just looked over the last couple of weeks. Win at Everton. They played Genk in the, in the Cup. I think win four against Genk in the Europa. They got a Derby against Spurs, beat Derby. They beat Man City in the League Cup. I know it's penalties. And then get four past Villa today in a game this thing. That's the last couple of weeks, Rob. This team are playing at a, at a top, top level. And I know, you know, we talk about pressure on managers and all that stuff. And you'll, you'll make Dean Smith, who's in charge of, of Villa. I just thought it might be one of them days where he just says to Moise, come in the office for, for a beer for a moment and just maybe talk through a little bit of like, how do you stop? How do you, do you put a stop on things and get things moving forward? Because mm. in many respects, West Ham were where Villa were not that long ago. West Ham United are fourth place in the Premier League, then the quarterfinals of the League Cup, and they topped mm. their group in the Europa League. Incredible, incredible performance, incredible job that David Moyes is doing. I said it today on the broadcast, Rob, they're a team full of good habits. Full of good habits, back to front. The third goal, I think it was, Pablo Fornell scored in this game. I rewound the, the little video, the ability that we've got in the studio to do yeah, that. Yeah. And there was a long ball that goes up towards uh, Villa's forwards. Thomas Suchek is there battling for the first header, so protecting mm. the back four. This is kind of towards the edge of the box. The ball yeah. flicks up. Declan Rice is there to make the, the, the clearance. And then the two wide players were close. And it goes up and they sprint forward. Uh, Bowen goes through on the right-hand side, shoots. Fornells ran 70 yeah. yards to tap the ball in. They get behind. It's not a 4-2-3-1. It's not. Mm. It's 4-4-1-1. Yeah. Four, one, one. Yeah, one, one, and yeah. I tell you, like... <sighs> fans of teams that well, they just what they're worth a view of those midfield players and how they protect and the positions of Declan Rice and Thomas Suchek. Suchek doesn't just sit, of course, he gets forward in the box. There was another moment where he got forward, Thomas Suchek almost got an opportunity in the box, the ball turned over, and I watched him sprint all the way back to play alongside Declan Rice. They're a hard working bunch of players that are talented. I've said it before. Sir Alex Ferguson, Man United's motto was, I want the best hardworking players. And, and David Moyes with this West Ham team has got this group that somehow he's got into the heads of them. They work really hard. They're well organized. They're grooved. And by the way, even in the first five or ten minutes, Rob, I no, just noticed the footballers, the team, the players. Yeah, sharp. yeah. Villa mm. were a little sluggish. And West mm. Ham moving the ball around quick to the quick to the ball. It's, it's great to see the way they play, the balance that they've got. And my comments before West Ham played this game were the same as my comments afterwards. Good players, working hard, organised, goals from all areas, which we saw yeah. again today. Mm-hmm. And if they if they don't get too many injuries, absolutely every chance of finishing in that top four. Even this season, Rob, with the top four, they mm-hmm. all should be ready to win the title. Can't speak highly enough of David Moyes and this West Ham team. It's one of them that you just love to watch, given that quality with organisation, with sweat. They're prepared to sweat for it. Really good story. And, and the two things stood out to me again, listen to the interviews after Declan Rice just said, it's a special place to go to work at the moment. You love going into work. And we've all had that, Rob. You know when things are going well. You can't wait to get back in, in the training ground. You go home, you, you know, you 
spend a bit of time in the family and you can't wait to get back with a group of lads because you, you feel like something's happening. That's a, a given. The other thing that I really loved about David Moyes, and, and I suppose Tim maybe makes a point of this, obviously talking about Moyes in his Everton days. The thing is, he came and said, you know, I love the result, great performance, four goals, no Antonio, but he said, disappointed in some of our performance. Yeah, you know, the I things love that too. Better, I love that. Than that. He isn't going to allow this group of no. players to, to think about, oh, all of a sudden, you know, we're top four, we're, we're good players now. He's mm. making sure that all those little traits, all the little things that have got them there are going to continue and he's going to keep pushing them. And, and that's good, man. That's great management because um, they've got some talented players there. The Fornals and Ben Ramers and Bowens, you know, we're all players who we, we know can, can do a bit. But as you say, Donoff works so hard to help the team out to make sure um, there's no goals. And one of the things I like about West Ham, the fourth in the table, and you know, Declan Rice probably is the the biggest star, but there's no, there's no big star there, is there? There's no, no. there's no, you know, like you think of West Ham and you don't go, it's not Ronaldo, it, it's not Salah. It's, no, they're it's not, not playing for one particular player. No, they're not giving no. it one player and expecting him yeah. to do it. It wasn't the yeah. Mikel Antonio day really today, Rob. No, really, no. his, his best game, he wasn't mm. banging the goals in, but everybody else stepped up. Let me say this as well, and the reason for West Ham fans to be excited about the future, this, this week the news broke, oh, a possible yeah. new investment, a Czech mm. billionaire wants to, wants to buy 27% initially of the football club, potentially yeah. to take a, a, a full takeover later in the future. They had 60,000 people watch a League Cup game against Man City. 60,000. They're going to extend the stadium to 62, yeah. apparently, and then maybe to a potential 67. It's an exciting time to be a West Ham fan with potential money that could come into the squad. Don't know yet. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. A manager that's obviously got it going at this club. A bunch of fans that, that are super excited. I just, it's a, it's a club that yeah. hasn't always, we know what kind of roller coaster ride sometimes this club goes on. Right now, they've got the right guy, the right yeah. players, potential investment. There you go. West Ham fans and frustrated fans on our podcast, we've, we've they, you they, they absolutely push themselves front and centre of this podcast. And with the way that they played, the way they are on the league table, we'll always talk about the teams that are playing great. That was a six-minute loving for West Ham fans. Yeah. So yeah, it's a bit, good. A bit nice deserve it. To it. But yeah, absolutely deserve it. Let's talk quickly about Aston Villa. We know uh, Dean Smith, your mate, um, finding things a bit difficult. Rob made a big call in losing uh, Tanner Mings, not not in the yeah. starting, went with the back four. Mings was on the bench. Uh, Ings, I think, uh, Danny Ings was injured, so Watkins could play. There was talk that, you know, that hasn't quite worked out. Buendia was in the team. Uh, Leon Bailey w- w- was in the team. So, players who they'd, they'd want, players who you'd expect to get on the ball, but not quite happening for them, Robin. You know, one or two suggesting that pressure might start to fall on, on, on Dean Smith if things don't change. Is it 10 points from 10 games is not really where Villa expected to be with the kind of money they spent in the summer. I mean, he was, he's, an honest, he's an honest guy, the most honest mm. guy you're ever going to meet in football. He said, uh, I think it was last week's press conference that this squad and this team is a top 10 team. There you go. Mm. He's put it out there. And I think he's right. It's a good squad of players that's underperforming right now. Um, a little bit excusey, to be fair, afterwards about decisions that I yeah, want to get your, yeah, I want to get your is, opinion yeah. on, the, on the red card stuff. Um, but yeah, they're struggling. I like the idea he changed things today, changed the system, you know, trying to make something happen. They're just stodgy. They're just a little bit clunky with their football at the moment. You know, it didn't really go as well with it. I know Ings is out today and Watkins. I, th- I still think they're going to do well together. I still think Douglas Louise is a good midfield player along with McGinn. Yeah, they've yeah. still got enough going on for me. There's no, I don't think they'll be looking over their shoulder, but they've got to do better. That's four games, four losses on the spin. 
Um, you start to get to six or seven to eight, and then particularly the money that's been spent at this club, then he's under serious pressure. Red cards, Robbie Earl. So yeah. Esri Conza got a red card for Dunai a goal-scoring opportunity. opportunity. Let's do yeah. that one first because, hmm, the, kind of okay, but wasn't he going a little wide? Was that an obvious one? He was going a little wide. I, I, I think, and again, it's one of them, you know, there was a few of those kind of similar decisions this weekend. But, the port was the other but, one, wasn't it? That was very similar, yeah, to be port, fair. But, but my sense with those is, Rob, that it isn't that you've got to think he's he's going to score. It's that he has an opportunity to score. Now it's going to be an obvious, ball, an obvious opportunity. Obvious opportunity. But even though the ball's going wide, he could take a shot first time and we'll come inside with it. Or come inside yeah. and then shoot across the goal. The goal yeah. So I kind of I thought it was a little harsh, I have yeah. to say, but I'm I'm, I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, same. I, I thought. Nah. Yeah. And yeah. I've got a little bit of stick on social media saying that that one was and then uh, Laporte one wasn't. I just felt that the ball bounced through a little bit and maybe the goalkeeper comes out. Listen, they are similar. It's very subjective. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I get that. And, you know, listen, people have their opinions on all this stuff and that's absolutely perfectly Correct. fine. The thing I felt strong, stronger about was Courtney Hawes, Rob, and his forearm smash of Pablo yeah, Fennell. Yeah, I mean, now, now, they said it could have been both red cards. I thought that I, was a red I thought it was a red. And when a red. We, he's and thrown when... his arm into his hand. I mean, that's endangering the opponent, as clear as you say. Yeah, we, I always get the rule out again. We get it printed yeah. out from yeah. our researcher, and I know what it is, violent conduct. If you deliberately mm. strike the hand or face and a, and a force that's not negligible, so with reasonable yeah. force, yeah. it's a red card. Mm. Now, also what we have the ability to do, which is so great from, from our producers, is to call yeah. the PGMOL, the head of the mm-hmm. referees in, in the Premier League, and get an answer, get a response. Yeah. And it's simply like, uh, so why wasn't that a red card then? But it looked... Well, we don't yeah. we don't we don't give our opinion. Like, just explain why it wasn't. Yeah. And we did get a respond. I actually spoke to a representative of the PGML, and um, basically it was looked at. VR definitely looked at yeah. it and just thought it was a strong yellow, not enough in their opinion for it to be a red. So okay, oh. it's subjective. Mm-hmm. Thanks yeah. for the response. Thanks for letting us know that you did look at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. two incidents in one absolutely yeah. could have been two players sent off two, in, yeah. in the in the in the same. Uh, stage of phase of play of i was play, just yeah. really surprised wow mm. i i thought that was 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 locked on as a red card i, I, I kind of thought it, it, yeah if it was going to be one it'd be reverse like the red yeah. card that one maybe, maybe yeah. the yellow for, the, for yeah. the other but um yeah listen, we don't know how, how things work and VAR did look at both he looked at the one and yep. then asked the referee to go and have a look at it the monitor and uh Honza got sent off for, for the second one, which, again, the ball was maybe slightly moving away from goal. I can see why Dean Smith's a bit happy. But, unfortunately, listen, those, those kind of decisions ain't going to save Dean Smith. He's got to get a couple of results, Rob. He yes. needs this team to, yep. to rally around him. And I was just thinking, and again, you never want to... Yeah. One and one doesn't always equal two when you, when you look at the two things. But I was just thinking about... Interesting with his backroom staff. Um, you know, he, he lost Richard O'Kelly... Who was his assistant? Who he's had from Brentford days. Been very, very close. Those two work together. Richard Kelly's often in the background, and he lost John Terry during mm. a period. I know John Terry did a lot of work with the back four, and you know, mm. t- talking about their best positioning and their one-on-one defending and getting support and cover and all those things. And sometimes it, it, it's those things, Rob. Unless you, they're, they're replaced, and once you've got a little bit of momentum and rhythm going with somebody. They, they can be difficult. And again, I'm not suggesting that he's lost them, so that's the reason or vice versa. But again, mm. just trying to look at things and wonder if maybe 
you know, he, he was leaning on them a little bit and all of a sudden he's having to do more himself or the people who've come in haven't quite got the same relationship. You know, Tyron Ming's a great example of his form's not been anywhere near his level and, and hence why he was, he was dropped today. So just a bit of a difficult time for for, for, um, for Dean Smith, you know, with the personnel and the results. He's got to kind of make sure he keeps that club together. Just, just finally on it, Robin, and that's a good point. And also other things that have changed from last season to this. Of course, Jack Grealish left the football club. Um, Wendia did really well for their goal today, pulled the ball yeah. back for Ollie Watkins yeah. to score. But Wendia has been a little disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leon Bailey gets his first start today. I think it's important that they try and integrate him into the team. Maybe that's the reason for the system change. Tougher when you've got two up front in a three-man yeah. back line to play a winger like Leon Bailey. So, yeah, stuff to work on. Mm. New players that, that maybe would hope to give a little bit more for the team. But Villa's a, Villa's a, 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 a great club. Love yeah. Dean Smith as a man. A manager's going through a difficult period. The first real difficult period, Rob, I think he's had since he got to the club. I mean, he got them promoted. Yeah. Yes, yeah. they had a difficult season two seasons ago. They just stayed in the division. But it was always going to be difficult. Always mm. going to be difficult with the changes and, and, and adapting to the Premier League. Last year was much better. Um, I, I think they'll you, you be lose, okay. You but... lose Jack as well, don't you? You lose, you know, yeah, you lose a, yeah, so yeah, a talisman player. Yeah. Talisman, yeah, one for okay. the fans as well. So, yeah. well, it, I'm, I'm sure he'll work it out. He's a good coach. You know, he's going to have to get back on that training ground, work with his team and, and just make sure he keeps that, that group united that they don't stop having any little clicks or, or any little breakaways. Um, we're also going to give some love. It, it, it's a special podcast this weekend. We're going to give a little bit of love to Arsenal, my friend. Because um, Arsenal faced Leicester City at the weekend, 1-2-0. Uh, again, I, I was keeping an eye over this game. And a bit like West Ham in some respects, Rob, there's a little ah. bit of consistency coming back to, to this Arsenal team against a Leicester team that can be dangerous, well-coached, uh, threats are, uh, around the football pitch, good individuals. Um, nine games unbeaten for Arsenal now, so, so it's getting a little bit of, of a run. You're starting to see some of that work off the ball, I think, that we're seeing at West Ham, where people are understanding their roles. I'm liking a couple of partnerships. Gabrielle and White is growing. His understanding, I think, is going to get better. I like Lukonga next to Party. Yeah, me I think too. that's helped him. I think uh, Party sometimes, I think, has a lot to do when he's in there on his own. I think putting a partner next to him. And, and then that allows you, like, the Smith-Rose, who's emerging, who's a... A talent I've always liked, and I know you've you've warmed on to him as times come. Uh, Ober, Lacazette, and, and and Saka, who just keeps continuing to to improve at, at his young age, almost as a bit like we're saying with United, getting a shape in a system where you're getting the best out of the individuals. And I've got to be honest, Rob, there's a there's a what's the word? there's a earthiness about Arsenal that's not always been there. There's like a, a, a we're happy to, to roll the sleeves up a little bit and, and, and dig it out a little bit when they only used to win when the good football got them results. I think mm. there's another side coming and, you know, fair play to Mikel Arteta because, again, he's had, had plenty of stick and plenty of criticism, but he looks like he's pretty focused on what he's doing and it would seem that we're starting to get something like some consistency now. Well, the consistency, Rob, and the the grit and the steel, mm. which is which, the last two matches, the last two Premier League matches, mm. last Friday against Aston Villa at home, they won three one, and this one, this is Leicester City, Leicester City yeah. away from home mm. for Arsenal. That that's a tough game. You know, we kind of went into this like, well, come on, and this, these are kind of even. They're similar in the yeah. table. They play in a similar way, and Arsenal get the early goal and show a little bit of a different side with being a little bit more. Uh, 
defensive minded, a little bit deeper, but did it pretty well. Aaron mm. Ramsdale, Robbie Earl, is another mm. uh, uh, goalkeeper that deserves uh, mention some of the saves that he made. But I think you make a good point. And going back to the signings, by the way, this back defensive unit, I mean, mm. almost totally new. Only Gabrielle, yeah. Rob, is there from last season. Tommy Asu, 22 years of age, like him. You talk solid, about partnerships. Yeah. Him, yeah. him, solid, energetic, uh, conscientious, good defender. Ben White, Gabriel, and then Nuno Tavares. He's in, oh, I guess, for um, Kieran Tierney right Tierney. now. Tierney is out injured. Tavares looks good. This goes mm. back to Simon. This goes back to Edu. This goes back to the transition and the players coming in was defining for Edu and Mikel Arteta. He's a manager now, not just a head coach. Goalkeeper as well was excellent. Lekongu talked about. So the newness of the team, the the way that they can play. I think we know that these players can play with, with mm. Arteta-type mm. signings and Edu. But it's the steel. It's the West Ham part we've just described. About. Can they do that? Can Saka and Smith Rowe come back at times and level their midfield players and offer protection and still spring forward? And and the last two matches, yes, that and that is so so key. You ain't going to have this Arsenal team outplaying loads mm. of teams in the Premier League. And to be fair, they give up some opportunities, but they had a guy between the sticks that did a pretty good job. And that guy between the sticks is my underappreciated performer of the week, my ah, friend, Aaron go. Ramsdale. And I'm very happy to hold my hands up. I'm very happy to say I was not enamoured by the Ramsdale signing. I was saying, why are you getting another goalkeeper who's very similar to Burnt? Not too sure what you're going to get. Um, I must admit, I've been very wrong. And Mikel Arteta, at this early sign, looks like he's been very right. Read a couple of really interesting articles about Ramsdale, just that he, he's brought a bit of energy into the dressing room. He, he, you've seen him once or twice rattle his defenders when, he, when, he's not, um, when he's not been happy with their defending in front of him. His saves have been outstanding. The save against Madison, Rob, is up there with some of the best we've seen in the Premier League. Right yeah. up there with some of the best. He, he, he looks lively, he looks fit, he looks focused, he's driven, he's 23 years of age. I think if he continues in this form, he challenges Jordan Pickford for the number one spot for England. Um, he, apparently Arteta said, he's a joy to have around the training ground and he gives a bit of life. Um, so, yeah, I just um, have to say, hands up, didn't quite see this in Ramsdale, didn't see this kind of growth and progression. I know Tim Howard was also one of those who wasn't totally taken with Ramsdale, but looks like mm. good business. And I love how he's got a real nice relationship and command with that back four. And you talked about so young back four, new back four, and they're almost like they're all learning together. Mm. So yeah. my yeah. underappreciated form of the weekend, Ramsdale. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. And I don't think we expected him to do such a good job so early. 23 years of age thought, wow, that's kind of interesting, back-to-back relegations, but he's 23. They must see something in the upside of him, but to come in and to be back so early on uh, is pretty special. That save he made, I mean, that's some strength to, to mm. kind of leap across the goal like that and make an outstanding save. And I'll tell you what I look at as, as more than anything, Rob, is his personality. And you yeah. can kind of tell goalkeepers' personalities. Maybe as much as any other position on the team because they're so involved and they have to lead and they have to talk and they have to remonstrate with defenders. Mm. And I think we know that some goalkeepers are a little quieter than others. We know that Jordan Pickford's a bit of a, he's a bit of a drama queen. He's erratic, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's a, little, erratic. a little erratic, but, but mm. he's, he brings energy. Absolutely, Aaron Ramsdale yeah, yeah. at 23 years of age now, given that save, given the way he's played, 
is going to stick his chest out and feel like, you know what? I am an Arsenal goalkeeper. I do yeah. deserve to be here. And I think you make a good point. Other players, you know, they're in it together. You know, they're excited together. There's no big David Luiz to try and to try and placate or to try and satisfy and get, they're all new learning together. And, and uh, yeah, Ramsdale's personality, Rob, look, looks one of strong, looks one of, uh, he, he's, he, he looks like he's lively and he's a winner and he, and he gets onto his players and, and they could have a good, go- they could have a 10 year goalkeeper here if he continues mm-hmm. in the same vein and continues to improve. Um, like I guess, Edu and Mikel Arteta thinks that he will. So good shout for underappreciated. Wow. I think a lot of people underappreciated what he could do. And we're seeing yeah. it right now with the way that he's playing for Arsenal. Okay, mate, just wrap up a, a couple of other results. Uh, housekeeping, uh, Burnley 3, Brentford 1. Burnley getting their first win, three, three goals uh, for them, their first win of the season. Watford nil, Southampton 1. Really important win for um, Shea Adams with, with the goal there. And Norwich won, Leeds two. Rafinha very much the man for Leeds, uh, the difference maker in, in many ways. But again, another disappointing day uh, for Norwich. Got themselves back one each in the game and thought they might have a chance and then conceded again and, and couldn't get a goal back. So that's 10 games now for Norwich. Two points, three goals scored in the Premier League. Looking pretty desperate for them. Uh, Daniel Fock is going to need something special to pull them out of the mire. Uh, an important win for Leeds who needed it themselves when, uh, you know, both those teams down at the wrong end of the table. Yeah, if you think, just looking at the bottom of the table, Rob, if you think that the Burnley will find a way and you mm. think the Leeds have got a bit too much to have trouble and you think they're going to pull away, you're into then to Watford's, Villa, Southampton's, Newcastle United, Rob. Newcastle, yeah. Point. I mean... The richest, the richest club in the Championship. In the world, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it will be in the championship. Yeah, in the championship. No, that that's that's scary, and that's something to keep a close mm. eye on going forward. I mean, I think the Leeds the Leeds wins good for them, Robert. Of course, watch yeah. the game, and yeah. not not at their best yet by a long no, shot. A lot of but... players, lot of players, not on the game, isn't it? I, yeah, I when, a couple of I important ones out. James and Harrison, yeah, Aileen and, and Bamford out are, are big players for yeah. them. Uh, yeah. Phillips is still finding his way, I think, to get his, his best form. But as you say, I think they'll have too much if they've got a smart manager. Uh, they'll find a way out of, of that bottom end um, mm. and survive. But yeah, a little bit of pressure on Newcastle. You know, mm. they, they need to decide what they're doing and start moving with it pretty quickly because points are, are, are moving away. 28 games left now, Rob. Yeah, yeah. Listen, Rob, to finish, before we finish this episode, I think mm-hmm. some important news came out this week. I think it was kind of like Tuesday, Wednesday. The news came out that Josh Cavallo uh, has come out and is proud to be a gay current player on the male side. I think as, mm-hmm. as far as we know, the only active player right now on the male side to be playing in a professional level, plays for Adelaide United in the Australian top flight. Um, fair play. Great words. Great comments. Great support, Rob, in the football community mm-hmm. uh, in terms of social media from clubs in the Premier League to players in the Premier League and further afield. This is kind of a big moment. Yeah. Now, I know we've seen it before, Rob, with other players, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. fair play to yeah, Josh Cavallo and, and, and all the very best. Yeah, well, remember, like I said, Robbie Rogers came out, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And, and, and then he was playing at LA Galaxy. Thomas Hitzelsberger came out after he retired. Thomas is a player I, I know quite well, German international. Uh, and talked about how difficult he felt it would be to, to come out while he, his career was going. Uh, so for Josh Cavallo, it's a very brave thing to do, but I'm absolutely delighted in the response that he got from football on the whole, from players, from clubs, 
Premier League, other leagues, big leagues across the world. Gerald Piquet came out with some really kind words and talked about how we can learn from him and help him. And, 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 it, and it begs the point, Rob, that amongst 20 Premier League clubs and 70 odd, uh, 92 um, teams in, in English football, there must be a, 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 an openly gay player yeah. playing somewhere who, who at this moment is afraid to come out, is afraid to, to do what Josh has done and, 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 and be out there and, and, and let people know. And I think it's a shame, Rob, that, that this is the case, that I think if I go back to the start of, of my career, sort of mid-80s, I think it would have been difficult then. I, I don't think a dressing room would have, would have withstood somebody coming out in that re- regard. I'd like to think towards the end of my career, it might have been better. I'm not sure we it would have totally been easy. But I, I feel like now, as we hit 2022, football's ready for its first gay player to come out. Football English football is ready to, to embrace, accept and understand yeah. somebody's sexuality in, in this way. I mean, surely, Robbie Earl, in the next, well, whether it's this season, whether it's next season, surely in the next season or two, we'll see that and we'll see others. And well, others. Do, you think, do you think because of what Josh has done, that will lead away? When you say surely, I mean, this is, there must be gay players that have been around for, 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 for years. So unless we, you know, the, the, what we talked about happened with Josh this week and, and the reaction to it, I'm assuming that's what you're saying may then give somebody the, the confidence to feel that, that they could mm. come out and do it now. And, and I just think the football world is more understanding now than, than it's ever been. We're in a very different world. We saw things with Black Lives Matter yeah. and, 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 and through the same. I think, I think we're in a different place. We've both got children who grew up with, with gay friends who come to your house. And, you know, when we grew up, I didn't know anybody particularly who, mm. who, who would come out at that time because mm. it wasn't as accepted. Mm. Um, so I'd, I'd just like to think that English football is ready. The Premier League as a league would embrace somebody um, if they felt it, it was right. And, and so when hopefully you say, surely, I, I hope you're right that surely somebody now will feel the confidence and have the belief, having seen what Josh has done and, and how much support he got all around the world that um, mm. it's something that, that they could do. And, and I think it's, it's important to shine a light on some of these mm. sensitive situations. And I think we absolutely have seen it with the, the, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, and trying to force more, more equality around the world. Um, and and, and it, the more that would come out, Rob, maybe at the same time, Mm. quickly normalize it, quickly get it into to normal practice, normal behavior, normal kind of feelings around training grounds, around supporter mm. bases and stadiums all around the country. Um, listen, this might be this might be pie in the sky. We may still be years off not, but I think it's our job and and, and I and I'm very pleased like you are to talk about Josh Cavallo and, yeah, and what yeah. he's done and what he's said and, and the reaction. And that's the most important part, not mm. just in English football, in Spanish football, clubs around the world in support yeah. of Josh Cavallo. And, uh, you know, again, I'm very happy to talk about it on this podcast and in subsequent ones, you know, when it happens, it will be big news, Rob. We'll, of course, as a network, we'll cover it fully mm. uh, 
when it does certainly in the Premier League or, or, mm-hmm. or other major leagues as well. And uh, yeah, something that I think we're both pleased to talk about and mention on this on this podcast. Yeah, and another occasion where you know the power of football can do good. Um, it, it can help in, in these situations. So yeah, well, let's wait and see uh, how how things develop on on that front over the next year uh, year or two, and, and and maybe we will see the first open gay football come out in the Premier League. But it was a big weekend of, of football, uh, non bigger for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Tottenham. But his team came good, beat Spurs, and now the pressure kind of goes on to Nuno. Uh, while City lost, Liverpool drew. It was a pretty good week for the capital. Generally, Chelsea won, West Ham won, Arsenal won, and Palace won. Uh, next up for us, a date for the diary. We'll be back on Wednesday, November the 3rd. We'll recap match day four in the Champions League. On Tuesday, Chelsea go to Malmo, Man United go to Atalanta and on Wednesday Liverpool face Athletic and Man City host Bruges. But for now, I'm Earl, he's Musty, together with the two Robbies, thanks for watching and listening. Be safe, stay healthy, it's a good night from me. And it's good night from him. Good night. Good night. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.